Hi, I'm Christy. And I'm Kathy. And this is the Game of Books, where two newbie writers share our love of food, wine, and mysteries, but not necessarily in that order. Welcome to all of our mysterious foodies out there. <laughs> oh, that's that's funny, Kathy. Mysterious <laughs> foodies. So we have a bunch of MFs out there listening to us. <laughs> Wait, I think that might be a little offensive in text speak. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> going there. I'm not doing that. Anyway, good to talk to you. I can't wait to hear what's new in South Florida. But as we know, discussion always goes better with wine. And since you are first today with your favorite food passage, you got to pick the wine of the week. Yes, and believe it or not... Drum roll, I've chosen another white wine. Oh my gosh, I was surprised. I know. <laughs> it fits with my book, plus I am determined to find a go-to white for the hot Florida weather. I might eventually try it on ice even, like you do, but for now I just chilled it in the fridge. And um, this week, my under 20 bottle of wine that you could also find in South Dakota mm. is the Louis Jadot Macon Village. Oh, Chardonnay. I am very impressed with your pronunciation. <laughs> Don't you like that? <laughs> I did like that very much. <laughs> anyway, so let's let's uh, pop the cork and have a sip. Okay. okay. Let me know what you think. All right. It's... I was surprised on the choice, I will say. Mm. Oh, that's very nice. Yes. That's, yeah. that's very nice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I think it is nice, too. I... I, I I like it, actually. <laughs> I do, too. I'm excited to have another drink. <laughs> but what, what can you tell us about this? Um, okay. I want you to say the, well, the French you, pronunciation yeah. again. Yes. Well, obviously, it's it's from France. Okay. And it's from the Burgundy region of France. And it is 100% Chardonnay grapes. Let's see. The Maison Blanc Village Villages is vinified in stainless steel tanks in order to extract the maximum floral and fruity aromas and freshness hmm. and in case you didn't know what vinified meant i, I looked it up i did not <laughs> i can assure you i did I, not i looked it up because i just you know i figured I, I better know and really all it means is fruit that's been made into wine hmm. <laughs> so you there know, we go oh. so for those of us who shop by wine labels it's a lovely looking label <laughs> i mean it's, yeah it's beautiful. it is it's a beautiful bottle of wine well it's been this this um louis jadot has been around since 1859 oh wow yes and so they've been around a long time so that this these wines you and they're found all over the world mm -hmm. in fact on their web, website it's it's kind of really cool because you can go on there and you can click on the flags for different places for some reason, they have a different website for England versus the U.S. Uh, I don't know how our languages are that much different as for compared to wine, but they have German, Korean, Japanese, Chinese. You could click on any of those to get, and French, of course. Wow. So, well, yeah, I've, so I've it's had, all over the world. I've had this brand before in a Beaujolais, but I ha okay. had not had a white uh, white one white wine from them. And it's very good. Yeah. And this, this particular one, um, it goes well with a large range of foods, including hors d'oeuvres, fried or grilled fish, seafood, goat's milk cheese, hmm. and poultry. So it's pretty broad range, and it's easy to drink, lively and charming. It, it is lively and charming, just like you. It has, it's a fruity <laughs> wine with a... Oh, thank you. <laughs> 
I, I guess can see like, this being... I'm just the Chardonnay of uh, Florida. I... <laughs> I can see this being very uh, nice on ice in Florida. It is nice on ice in South Dakota right now, and it's freezing here. But yes. it's, uh, it's very well, good. Yeah, so I'm sorry that I chose a, a cold drink for you in freezing South Dakota, but <laughs> it is cold. But it goes me. with my book. Well, good. It goes with my book. So tell me what's been so, happening down there. What's uh, what was your Thanksgiving like? And give me the update. Well, my Thanksgiving was really good. I went to the beach on the west coast, and um, there were about 25 people there. Oh my! I know, and they were ranged in age from five to about 82. So it was quite the range and quite the amount of chaos that you can imagine, but it was lots of fun and um, got to see lots of relatives I hadn't seen in a while. Then I came back and I decided it was time to clean my house and get ready for the next round of holidays. <laughs> I know, and but I did come up with a, um, a good way to continue cleaning um, and getting work done for my writing. So I listened to the book that we're, I'm going to discuss later, I listened to the rest of it on audio. Oh. While I cleaned. Mm, very nice. So I'm nice. not sure if I needed to clean as in-depth as I did, but the book <laughs> kept going on, so I just kept And therefore you have a very clean house. <laughs> I know. I'm sitting on the floor drinking this wine off the floor right now. No, not really, but I could. <laughs> you I could. could. clean my floor. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you, um, you know, were able to, to multitask in that way. It's not really multitasking. That sounds great. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't know why I didn't think of it sooner. And I, I really love to listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, we're making one. I don't listen to ours. It's kind of yeah, creepy. creepy. But... I tried and I was like, oh, let me out of here. <laughs> yeah. But I listen to other ones and I when I exercise in the morning. So now I think I'll add books to my repertoire because it is hard to try to get in, especially now that we're doing a book a week. I'm hearing all these great new books from you that I want to read in addition to getting my books ready. So I think I'm going to add audio books to my repertoire. That's great. I I do listen to um, audio books also. I tend to like nonfiction on audio and fiction reading still. And I'd like to try to get better at listening to fiction, but for some reason I'd like to listen to nonfiction. But I'm going to work on that. Well, you know, that's, that is true because I like that too. That's probably why I like the podcast because they're usually, you know, not fiction. Mm-hmm. They're usually, you know, interest or news or something, but, but that it worked good for cleaning because cleaning, you don't have to think much. Right. So you could focus on the book that you're listening to and you don't get lost or anything. That's but, great. Um, yeah. So, so I, I'm wondering now, how was your Thanksgiving? Because I'm, I was so curious about the table topics and see if they oh. actually <laughs> came into play. <laughs> we did use them. We had a great Thanksgiving. We only had 10. Um, so we were able to just do a sit down meal, yeah, which was nice. really, yeah, it was really a perfect number. And um, my daughters set the table this year and they did choose some table topics to put at everyone's place oh, setting so they matched them with the person they did so oh, it wasn't random <laughs> and so basically they put down questions they wanted to have answered from each of the people who were oh on the table gosh. so i'm not oh, really no. sure that's how it was intended but it worked out well and everybody seemed to enjoy the conversation and uh we had a so great they didn't time. ask you what kind of questions did they put for you and clayton i mean do they be like um when was your first you know, um, th- that's funny. time you broke the rules or you snuck out of the house? Or... <laughs> <laughs> no. no, they didn't do that. With Clayton's, they seemed to ask, that's interesting, 
I can't remember all the questions he got, but I think he seemed to be very, they were very emotional questions. And mine seemed to be kind of more about, you know, are you at where you thought you would be at this point in your life? Oh my (laughs) gosh. I know they were very challenging questions. So (laughs) you're like, no, I never thought I'd be doing a podcast yet. Here I am. (laughs) That's right. That's what I should have said. No, absolutely not. Mm. Um, Yeah. So it was great. We had a wonderful holiday and. Um, after Thanksgiving, now that I've started hosting each year, it's only been four years, maybe Mm -hmm. I've started, um, keeping a Thanksgiving notebook. (laughs) Oh man, you are the most organized person I know. No, that is so awesome. I, but it really does help because it helps in the planning every year. You know, I just look back and so I just make a list of what worked and what didn't work. You're, you're my inspiration. (laughs) No, 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 no. I just, (laughs) it just helps me have a shortcut for next year, but I will say I changed the turkey this year, and at the last minute, I changed it, Uh-oh. and I will never go back. I made an Ina Garten, and I love Ina Garten. She's uh-huh. my favorite, you know, kind of celebrity chef right. or cook. I made her version of turkey breasts, and it was perfectly done. It's so easy, and I'll never do anything else but just turkey breasts. So, so it was only breasts? Yep. It was only the breast meat, and they just turned out perfect. My dad, who is very candid and very honest and he's always been the cook previous to me and he's a very good cook mm-hmm. said it was the mm-hmm. best turkey he'd ever had wow i know so I was well like, you know i Boom. think maybe it's because you only had the one type of meat so you didn't have to wait till the dark meat got exactly. cooked all the way or something it's so easy it's so consistent and it was really moist and it was great so that went well, in the have you ever tried <laughs> have you ever tried um a spatchcocked turkey i have not i have not um done a spatchcock chicken either but i've always wanted to yeah because i did that one year and i think that helps even it out too mm-hmm. you know yes have you ever, it's did just you... Uh, it's just very hard to do like it it's is. really you have to break the breast or something yeah. and on a turkey yeah i don't I, I don't know my turkey looked a little lopsided that's all i can say <laughs> well this was there was no fuss and no muss so there you go well sounds good okay we'll have to put the recipe on the website we will have to do that all right, so let's take another sip of wine, and I really want to hear what you picked for this week. We heard for your mystery. Okay. Well, my book is called Chaos. It's <laughs> a great title. It came out in 2016, and it's written by Patricia mm. Cornwell. Now, I don't know if I you're familiar her. with Patricia. Okay, yeah. I am. I have not read Chaos, but she is one of my favorite authors. I know. I, I just, I mean, I think she's like the rock star of forensic thrillers. You know, rock stars are new adjective, right? It is We're our new start adjective. Using it. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like the rock star of thriller or of forensic thrillers i mean she's been doing them since well her first book came out in 1990 she's she's oh man she's got so so much she's written over let's see where's my 29 new york times bestsellers slacker she Absolute sold slacker. over 100 million books oh my god I know. Um, her first novel was postmortem, and it was while she was working as a computer analyst at the office of the chief medical examiner in Richmond, Virginia. And so that started off this forensic thriller craze. And she's won like so many prizes: the Edgar, the Creasy, the Anthony, the McCavity, the French Prix du Roman d'Aventure. I had to do that because oh, you are you are French using your French <laughs> language well today. I'm very yes. impressed. I know, but but this is interesting to know, and you will like this as an author or a writer, I should say, soon to be author. Um, at her first signing for postmortem, it was held during her lunch break from the morgue. Oh, that's awesome! 
And she she didn't sell any copies of her book, Postmortem. And that's the mm. one that won all these awards, you know. And, and she only had one question, and it was from an elderly woman who asked her where she could find the cookbooks. Oh, no. <laughs> and now look at it. Oh, I mean, I mean Chrissy, I think that that's is great. such a good story for everyone, no matter what you're doing, to remember. I, know, I mean, come on. I know. So anyway, so, so I was already familiar with her books because I had read, you know, a lot of her um, books. And, the, and Chaos is is 24th in the case scarpetta series okay so the case scarpetta is the forensic specialist that is the main character in in the 24 books starting with postmortem and she i knew that she always did good food scenes and she liked to cook the character did Mm -hmm. so i was like all right i'm gonna read one of those books i'm sure there's gonna be something in it and so i chose the most recent one which was chaos and um, I'll give you a brief description without giving anything away. And I could say that basically a lot of creepy things start happening oh, no. that may or may not be linked. And Dr. Scarpetta is right in the middle of everything and needs to pr- protect herself and her family. Okay, there's bodies, technology, federal agents, stalkers, crazy relatives, and there is food. So we're happy for that part. Yes. <laughs> so, um, in this book, a lot of the a lot of Dr. Scarpetta's time was filled with crisis, you know, after crisis. So she really didn't have time to eat or drink wine, but it was still discussed and given descriptions. And she even dreamed of getting back to it when she'd have to get when she get a meal interrupted. So there was a, there was, you know, good food scenes. And so the book, when it starts out, there's a long scene with her husband. Um, he's an FBI agent and they're eating dinner at the Harvard Faculty Club mm. where they're discussing the case of her stalker. So basically it's a, you know, work kind of discussion going on. But the food is described and I want to read you some of the descriptions that Patricia Cornwell puts in there. So she first starts out that the husband he always gets crab cakes grilled with grilled scallions and pickled banana peppers and she usually indulges in the lobster bisque with lemon brown butter Mm. but instead they got mediterranean salad with heirloom potatoes and crumbled feta because it was so hot out there's this huge heat wave going on in boston this all takes place in this and she asked to substitute purple onions for the sweet onions and to have extra dressing on the side with crushed red pepper to add a, a kick. Okay, that's just the so first part. I mean, this know. is very specific, and it sounds like either very. one would be a wonderful menu. Right. And then and Either the one that you normally have or not. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then she goes on to say he wants to order a white burgundy, and once she de- decides on the halibut with Brussels sprouts over the lamb, he chooses a Chablis Premier Cru... The 2009 Monte du Tonnerre. Okay, so the wine that we cho- that I chose for us is from the same region, Burgundy. Oh. But when I looked up the Chablis, you know, 2009 Monte du Tonnerre, um, and thought, oh, we can get these bottles somewhere. Well, in London, you can get them for $150 each. Oh. <laughs> in California, it's $350 oh a bottle. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, so I kind of just chose another white from the same region. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> and it's, you know, our, ours is from the southern part of Burgundy, so it's not a Chablis, even though they're both 100% Chardonnay grapes. It's just the soil and the climate and everything makes everything so different, you know. Oh. The French and their wine. Um, but both are unoaked. I don't know if you noticed that. I did um, not. I wouldn't yeah, even know so how to. Yeah, so it's, 
yeah so like chardonnays sometimes have that oak taste in the you know like um taste to them and these don't they're more crisp i guess i you know what i when you had said you were getting a chardonnay i normally associate that with a little bit sweeter wine Mm -hmm. and this is definitely not so that must be that oaky difference i'm not sure yeah and it's also because these are this is french and a lot most of the chardonnays we drink are from california Mm -hmm. well i like a french chardonnay i've decided (laughs) <laughs> yes, I do too. I know because I don't. I'm a, and I'm surprised because I thought, oh, I'd like the oakiness of of sh- Chardonnays, but I don't really like it too much. Mm-hmm. I like I like oaky smoked flavored meats, but apparently I don't like oaky wines. But anyway, very interesting. I I love the specificity. 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 <laughs> Say that again one more time. Three, fa- three I, times. Really I, fast. I tried it three times. I really loved the very specific nature of their orders. I mean, I really. I know. Well, she she goes on because she even gives more. She's like, and then she asks for a for sides of spaghettini vegetables and wild mushrooms. What is a spaghettini mushroom or uh, vegetable? Vegetable. I don't know. I did hmm. not look that up. I was assuming that it meant that it was. Like how I like to make zoodles, you know, zucchini noodles. I was thinking that might be what she was talking about. Some kind of logical sense we could make that Right. Interesting. Right. But then they had to leave. The wine came and then they had to rush out because there was an urgent call. So they barely touched their salad and they, of course, didn't get to drink any wine. And so the rest of the night she's dreaming of this Chablis that, you know, (laughs) if she could just get done with, you know, this autopsy and this examination. (laughs) I could enjoy some wine. Yeah, I appreciate so, that. But it, but it is. I did notice, and I mean, even just in the descriptions of the food, we see it. But her writing style struck me as so almost overly descriptive. Hmm. And I'm not sure. There could be a couple reasons for this. It could be because I started listening to it on tape in the car with my dad. We were on our way to Thanksgiving. <laughs> so I was like overly conscious of the fact that for the first four or five chapters, she didn't move from like a short span of the sidewalk. And all she was doing was talking about what just happened, what was going to happen and her feelings about her family and life. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe because we're drilled in, in into our heads from all these workshops that we need to be concise. Everything has to have a purpose in the story. Mm-hmm. And so I started noticing that, you know, this wasn't what was the case. I couldn't tell anyway. And, and I was just wondering if maybe this, the trend that they're teaching us now is because information has gotten so fast that people are impatient. Well, it could reading. be. She, um, I do remember, I have not read one of her books for several years. And you're making me want to definitely get back into it. Because last time mm-hmm. I read um, one of her series, Case Carpetta was not yet married. She was... Oh, in and wow. out of a relationship with this guy, but they had yeah. not figured out how to make it work. And, mm-hmm. um, but I remember her books are very lengthy. I mean, they're in that, aren't they in that pushing a definite mid 400 range page? Like, you know, it's, it, I gotta admit between the Kindle and Kindle version and the audio version, mm-hmm. I'm not even sure, but it did, it did seem very lengthy. And I think I can see that because she would spend, paragraphs just talking about um the scene in the dining room which nothing really happens they have a discussion and then rush out but you know you're getting the bookshelves the paintings on the wall you're getting it's it's very interesting the difference that i noticed from what you know a lot of the authors teach us now Mm -hmm. as far as you know 
don't spend all, you know, you got to, everything has to have a purpose. And I think, and, and it could be too, because she's got to put in a lot of backstory. If this is chapter, I mean, book number 24. Oh my gosh. And she wants us to get, know the personality of all these characters that are going to pop up. Mm-hmm. And we haven't read them all. You, I guess you got to put in backstory and talk about her mother and her sister and, you know. Interesting. I don't know. That's very interesting. I don't know, but I still like yeah. it. Yeah. And, and she's also, you know, because she's a forensic specialist, the character is, maybe that's another trait of her. She observes every little thing when she goes into a room. and Right. She has to be so detailed. It, and so maybe that has to come yeah. out in her everything, including the food. Yeah. And oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Which back to the food, she does talk more about food later in the book. She she makes pizzas, and um, so she has a stash of those hidden in the in the in the morgue <laughs> in the freezer in the morgue. That's awesome <laughs> for emergencies. That's awesome. <laughs> and then and then the book actually ends with her washing celery at the sink with another character. I'm not going to say which because I don't want to give anything out away. But they were. Um, gonna have a brunch and they were making bloody marys and the very last like lines are them washing the cellar the dirt off the celery in the sink so cooking plays a big part i remember i actually remember her using food a lot in the books that i had read and Mm -hmm. i i want didn't maybe she even do a cookbook kind of from case she's done two cookbooks okay. interesting and one of them is scarpetta's winter table oh my that's so it talks nice. all about i know I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking you know you might get it for christmas I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah so she does and she but she's just all over she's like sounds like such a cool person and and oh get this she wrote recently two real true crime books about Jack the Ripper. In fact, she says she authored a definitive account of Jack the Ripper's identity. And there was a follow-up like to she, it also? Yeah, like that was like about um, maybe 10 years ago or whatever. And the, I, I don't have the dates of mm-hmm. them, but I know that, yeah, she, she had a follow-up to it. Um, she, so she has two books about um, Jack the Ripper. And I think, or either that or one's about to come out, but... Um, but yeah, she did, she does she did all she does all kinds of stuff. I mean, extensive. Her website is really cool. You have to check it out. She also does really so. uh, in depth research, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, I think she's a she's become a helicopter pilot herself. Yeah, like uh, that's what I was saying. Yeah. I mean, she she does stuff about scientific study of Confederate submarines, archaeological oh. excavation of Jamestown. Wow. You know, she does all kinds of. Yeah, she's an interesting person. Well, so anyway, great so that, yeah, yeah. So I mean, and you know, like we know, a lot of her um, books have have food and wine in them. So you know, any choice you could start from the beginning, even if you if you haven't read them. But um, anyway, so that was that was my choice. That is on and... my to be read pile now. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So now I get to sip wine while you tell me <laughs> about. Oh, your book. So I chose a book by Ruth Ware, uh, W-A-R-E. She is the author of The Woman in Cabin 10. It is a uh, recent bestseller, maybe 2016. I have one of her books on my shelf that I haven't read yet. Like somebody gave me and I was like, oh, this looks good. Yeah, she's written four all well-received books in the last handful of years. 
The first one that I had read mm-hmm. and had become aware of was um, the na- the title just escapes me. Um, it is oh the uh, in a dark dark wood, and that is about a oh, okay. um, bachelorette weekend that goes very astray. Um, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> and I had read that and I really liked it. And so her second book is the one that I'm discussing today, The Woman in Cabin Ten. It okay. is. It was a bestseller on the New York Times list and many other lists, and it's been optioned for film. I believe Reese Witherspoon's company is behind it. I mean, and it's actually progressing. Oh, cool. Really, really interesting. I love it when they make films out of these books, because then we can be like, oh, I know what's going to happen, but oh, no, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, it is a really interesting book. It's about... Um, the main character is Lo Blacklock. She's a travel writer. And she gets this great okay. gig to go do an article about a brand new, uh, very, very elite cruise ship. Cruise ship. Cruise ship. I have a sudden southern accent all of a sudden. I'm not sure why. Um, <laughs> so you, so I could understand yeah. <laughs> you. That's why. <laughs> so she gets this great gig. And the name of the cat of the cruise ship is the Aurora Borealis. And it's this really. Okay. So this is fictional cruise ship. This is a fictional ship. cruise ship. And it's going to. Yeah. Because I know I'm familiar you, with some elite You are. Ships, and I'm so. not. I've never been on a cruise <laughs> yeah. ship. I've never. I have never done that. So this is definitely not. This is a oh, formal well. for me. You would like this though. Mm. Um, but it's supposed uh-huh. to be like the highest end of high ends, and it and they're going to okay. tour in the Norwegian fjords. Okay. So it's only there's only and, and the title is the woman in cabin ten, and there's only ten cabins. I mean that's how elite it is. It's supposed to be, you know, just Ooh, just yeah, serving the yeah. very best to the very most wealthy right. people. And so she gets to go on, and it's maiden. Voyage. And she's not. She's just the travel writer. She's a travel writer. So she actually oh, gets man. to. I wonder if we could get. <laughs> I I would not after reading this. I would not. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll reserve judgment till the end. <laughs> but yes, yeah, she's on there with some very very um, elite from from elite uh, areas of life, um, different kind of personalities, and mm-hmm. so. Um, but what happens is the the bottom line is that she believes she witnesses a woman being thrown overboard right away, but all oh, the man. passengers are accounted for. And no one believes her. Oh. And that's kind of the crux kind of, of the like story. Kind of like a rear so window type just thing only. Very similar. And, and I saw a really interesting interview that the author did um, about the release of this book. Mm-hmm. And she kind of mentioned the inspirations um, from Agatha, Agatha Christie. Oh, okay. You know, that kind of that closed space mm-hmm. uh, type of mystery where there's only so many people, you know, that can possibly be involved and um, so that's what I also loved is that she she was talking about how so she was she, she was on tour for her first book in a dark, dark uh, wood. And mm-hmm. that's when she was starting to work on this book. And she knew she wanted to do something with cruise ships. And then she mm-hmm. also there was that idea and that, that kind of elite cruise ship. But then she also this idea of, you know, you're in a hotel or a, on a cruise ship and you go, you know, to be pampered and taken care of. But you really don't ever have true privacy or autonomy because people who work in the hotel or cruise ship can just come and go in and out of your room oh yeah whenever they want and so she really liked the idea of super luxury and this feeling of insecurity and those were her two right which i just thought were so that's really interesting isn't that interesting yeah. you know the idea of staff coming in and out to pamper you maybe yeah. you know turn down your sheets or but then it's like ew, do you really want people right 
coming in and out. And so, and the more, I mean, you know, I live in a, such a populated area. I mean, I can totally relate, even if I was in, you know, uh, one of the huge houses on the water or something. Whereas you're up there in an area that's so kind of remote. So you don't have to deal with the fear that somebody's looking at you all the time. <laughs> I, that's true. That is true. I mean, there's definitely a lot more space and autonomy available in a rural place than a kind of mm-hmm. condensed populated place. So, so they're on this very little um, cruise ship with all these very interesting personalities. And of course they serve really, really high end food. And that's where I got the idea to include this in today's podcast. Oh, good. So she's meeting all of these really interesting and strong personalities during this first meal. And, and they're just serving champagne like crazy. And she's finding herself getting very tipsy, but not really feeling like she can, you know, say no. She's the travel writer. She's supposed to kind of fit in and blend in. So she's drinking a little. She hasn't eaten yet. And she's just, and it just starts setting up that kind of feeling of like, She's a little off, you know, right. she's like a little bit out of her element. And so then they serve the first meal and the first, <laughs> the first course arrives. So I'm going to read this to you because I thought this was so good. Okay. Whatever she was about to say was interrupted by the arrival of five dark square plates scattered across with small rainbow colored squares and clumps of foam arranged on what looked like grass clippings. I realized I had no idea what I was about to eat. <laughs> Beet, this is so great, beet pickled razor clam, announced the head server, with a bison grass foam and air-dried champagne shards. That sounds so, so gross. I know, and so, you know, it's kind of one of those, like, food creation things, you know, you can yeah. imagine. Oh, my God. So here she is, already too tipsy, she basically needs some fries, but they right. bring her... They bring her some foam and um, grass clippings. I mean, like, what the heck is buffalo foam? That's like, sounds so gross. It does. And I have no idea. And um, and so and the, so this whole thing is kind of meant to intimidate her, it seems, because she's totally out of her element. Right. And so it just contributes to the whole mood of the book. You know, it's just this, everything's a little bit off. She never feels comfortable. Like, who invited so, her on this? Was it somebody on the, the cruise? Or she, did... she works for a magazine, so it was the owner of the cruise ship wanting this magazine to cover it. Okay. And, of course, there's more to that. But I would not give anything away, Christy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... That that's her appetizer, and I don't she I don't oh. think she even eats the grass. But even if she did, it certainly didn't help much with for the champagne. Right. So this so then the main the, after the first course, they then switch everybody around. So then she's off kilter again, new people, and they serve uh, sashimi, and okay. it, it's fugu, f u g u. You know that that's that's like the blowfish, right? Or it's the... the poisonous blowfish, <laughs> and so. She says, Fugu, I said, trying to insert myself into the conversation. Isn't that the horribly poisonous one? And then one of the, you know, really high flutin' people says, absolutely. And that's what makes the experience. And they proceed to go on. Oh, my gosh. And this guy proceeds to go on and he says that after you experience this, the diner has diced with death and won. And so, oh, my gosh. I know. So then she's she's literally saying, so how poisonous is it? I mean, in terms of quantity. I mean, how much do I have to eat? Right. And so this poor thing gets to this entire meal and doesn't really eat anything. And then, and then things continue <laughs> intimidating her and making her feel off. And then 
She's that sounds almost she's like a, a comedy. It's not though. The whole thing is very. I just think it's funny. It's a, it's a horror it's, film almost. I mean, it is. Horror, it's very but, dark. Yeah. It is very dark and it's very ominous and intimidating, and mm. you never really. You can tell she never can get her get her sea legs. You know, she just can't right. get her bearings, and then she thinks she sees a murderer. And so the oh, food gosh. just contributes to it. And I thought that was great. Oh yeah, that that, was, that sounds great. Now I, I definitely know. want to read it now. Um, how old is Ruth Ware? Do you know? I did not look up her age, but I did see, you know, the video of her, and I'm I'm going to guess young, middle-aged. I don't okay. know. I'm I just wondered, that, so. I mean, you know. Anywhere, I would say she's, she's, she's got 26 four books. and like 56. Yeah, <laughs> I don't that's, know. that's good. That's good. Uh, yeah. we, can do, we, can, we can go with that range. Yeah. Like, she, Ruth, it sounds like, you know, it could be like an older person, but because oh, she only had true. four books, I was like, she could be, you know, just a really young person. She, yeah, like, you know, I can't recall, but she's, um, she's from England and, oh. um, I, one thing that when I was reading this, I don't know why, but this, this story, I had read it when it first came out a couple of years ago and I was kind of re, re um, reminding myself of it. Mm-hmm. And, this whole, you know, body going over into the ocean and did it happen mm-hmm. or not? It reminded me of a, kind of a recent, actual, real-life crime case. Oh, and yeah. I, there, there was this um, uh, a journalist, that's also reminded me of, a, a Swedish journalist that was killed on this really rich Danish inventor's boat. He killed her. Oh, you're kidding me. No. No, I didn't hear this one. I thought you were going to be like, oh, yeah, the lady that went overboard or whatever. (laughs) No, this woman was on, she was interviewing this this very wealthy Danish inventor. Uh And um, on his, I believe it's a submarine, to tell you the truth. Oh, I was going to say, that sounds like the case. I didn't realize it was a woman journalist, but yeah, then he like, he killed her on the submarine and then... What did he do? Put her out he, the chute to the fish or something? He, he, uh, he, he dismembered her, I'm sorry oh, to say, and, yeah. and sent her overboard. And, no and they, they had found her remains oh, in different locations, God. let's just say. But, I, you know, it's just that kind of eerie circumstances. And so, I'm so sorry to bring that up, but that's what it reminded me of. No, no, I totally, yeah, that's what was popping into my head when you said that, mm-hmm. too. I was like, when there was this guy in the submarine... Oh, man. We couldn't yeah, write it so, as well, could we? <laughs> no, I mean, it is a good book, and I, I'm i sure it will be an outstanding movie, too. It will be. Cool. Um, people will love it, I think. Good. Well. Yeah. You, so that's yeah. it. Ruth Ware. All right. Well, I'm adding that to my shelf, for sure. Add good, it to the other good. Ruth Ware. I, I don't know what the title is, but it's not that. I think it's a different Ruth Ware book. So I will have two Ruth Ware books to read. Wonderful. Yes, yes. Well, and good. I'm very excited to read uh, Patricia Cornwell again. And I'm definitely going to keep this wine in my wine rack. Not this actual bottle, because I'll probably um, <laughs> finish it off here in the next couple of days. But I, it's a very nice um, wine. I definitely, I really enjoyed it. What did you think? Is it one I agree. For you? I agree. I think it's, I think it's something to put on, on the shelf because, especially because I'm like looking for that white wine, you know? So, mm-hmm. I think Louis Jadot, Macon, Village, Chardonnay would be perfect for me. <laughs> I just want to hear you speak French more often. I'm going yeah, to have to After the that. rest of this bottle of wine, I'll just be rattling away, you know. Okay, um, so hey, one more thing we didn't share is what? how much did it cost you in South Florida? Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you that. It's um, It was around $15. I think there was like a coupon for $1.50 off, but I think it was around 15 What What about there? 
Yeah, fourteen ninety nine. All right. It's always a little cheaper there. Maybe fifty cents or something. Because yeah. I know it was fifteen something here, and then there was a dollar fifty coupon. Yeah, and I don't think this. I think this was just the price. I don't think there was a sale on it. Mm-hmm. Everything is cheaper in South Dakota. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well. Okay, so that caps off this week's episode of Game of Books, where we share food, wine, and mystery. If you like listening, then be sure to subscribe to us so you can get your food, wine, and mystery tips every Friday morning, just in time for the weekend. Right, and all you MFs out there, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, I couldn't resist. All you listeners, if you want to get more information or links on what we've talked about, We'll post the information on our website, which is gameofbooks.blog. And you can get the information usually on Fridays um, with links and everything. So anyway, this is Christy. And Kathy. Saying thanks for listening. Bye, Bye, everybody. everybody.